Good morning, everybody. Am I good? I'm not good. Ah, check it, check. Closer. Is that good? Messing with my beard. Is that good? Yeah. Uh, you sure? You didn't look. Give us one sec. I'm all tangled in my beard. Where is it? Cut this thing. Alright. You're good. Alright. Sweet. Uh, Joel is in D.C. at some conference. Um, getting wiser and more encouraged than ever before or something like that. So um, I will be your substitute preacher. I don't want any funny stuff. Especially out of you. Kirsty. Always a troublemaker. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, just again to be able to come together, a loving community, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us enlightenment through the message, God, that, um, Throughout the rest of the time of worship and service to one another, God, that you open our eyes to see more of you, that we'll be drawn closer and closer to you, Lord, and more and more in love with one another and in the community you've called us to reach out to. We magnify your holy name, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I tend to walk around a lot when I preach. Just going to warn you. So who doesn't love comfort? More of it. We'll take all the comfort we can get, right? Doesn't matter how much we have, we'll take more of it. These chairs, clearly not, not, not the most comfortable chairs, to be honest. Oh, the sprouts haven't left yet. Sprouts. Thank you, Hannah. No one's leaving. <laughs> sprouts. <laughs> um. Yes, so these chairs, clearly not comfortable. But if I were to offer you some padding to these chairs, you know, recliner, if I gave you a cup holder, you know, maybe we had some people that can fan you, you know, while you listen to the message, feeding you some donuts. I don't know if that be a Hannah responsibility or a Jen responsibility, <laughs> but if we take some notes, get on that for the next meeting. But no one would refuse that. We all want more comfort. No matter how much money you have, you'll take more money. You know, no matter how nice a car you'll have, you'll take a nicer car. Ladies, no matter how many nice outfits you have, you'll take another outfit. It's the American way, you know what I'm saying? Now, I want you to think about if that comfort was stripped away from you all of a sudden. You know, if all of a sudden you don't have a car, you don't have a job, you, all of a sudden, instead of having the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in your account, I don't know how y'all roll, but if you had like 30 bucks to your name for you and your family, all of a sudden, you know, if you had like two outfits, and those two outfits were winter outfits, you know, you got one pair of underwear, that's all you got. For some reason, you got three pairs of sunglasses. I don't understand that, but that's what you got. You know, we'd be a disgruntled group of people, you know? And let's say that somehow you made it to church, and we had no chairs at all. The uncomfortable chairs didn't have it. Didn't have any power, didn't have any music, didn't have a loving environment. You know, we wouldn't want to hear a message. We'd be too focused about all these concerns and all our mess. So obviously, God must care about our comfort. He must care at least a little bit about our comfort, about our essential needs from day to day. Whenever we bring up the discussion of needs, though, there's like two extremes. 
There's like the pray, pray, pray people, and there's the do, do, do people. For the pray, pray, pray people, you know, like no matter what, what the issue is, we got to pray first. Got to pray first, got to pray first, got to pray first. All right, God's leading me to do something, but I still got to pray a little bit more. Got to pray a little bit more. You know, if you can picture Hannah making coffee in the morning, just praying over the coffee. I pray over the coffee. You know, I'm about to put the filter in, but I don't know. I got to pray a little bit more. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Got to pray, got to pray, got to pray, got to pray, got to pray. And then there's the do, do, do people. You know, they might mention God. They might pray, maybe. But, you know, while those pray, pray, pray people were praying, they've already started doing. You know, they're, they're just all about do. We got to do community service. We got to get out there. I don't know what you people are doing, but you need to be doing this. You need to be doing some community service. I'm hoping that somewhere we're meeting in the middle somewhere. I'm hoping that none of you are on the extremes. If you, ha- if you are, I may have just offended you greatly. And if I have, you know, Pastor Joel is very sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Well, we're going to be looking today on the, just how Jesus went about this. How did Jesus go about um, temporal needs? Um, how did he mix it in with spiritual stuff? Um, let's dig in here. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 34. The apostles gathered around Jesus. Oh, if you have the blue Bibles. Anyone need a Bible? Spencer's on it. If you need one, just raise your hand. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going... They did not have even a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them recognized them and ran on foot to all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. I mean, I talk about that large crowd. You know, about 5,000 people we'll learn later on, 5,000 men. If you add the women and children to that, it's safe to say like 15,000, 20,000 people. It's a large crowd, large crowd of people. And it's always, I've always been amazed at the, like the, the ups and downs of Jesus' ministry, of popularity. You know, there, there's time for no one wants anything to do with Jesus, you know. And there's other times where he's got like this rock star of popularity, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like Bieber Jesus. You know, he's like, no matter where he goes, people just want to flock. I, mean, I don't want, I, I got my own opinions about Bieber, but that's, that's another story. So Jesus, in his Bieber-like popularity, just move right on. In his Bieber-like popularity, he could have just shoved the people away, and it would have been justified. He's Jesus. You know, he can do whatever he wants to do. He could have told them to go away, but he doesn't. He doesn't blow them off. I'll read again what he says, verse 34. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. And he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus changes his plans a little bit here. They were supposed to be going to the solitary place. But when Jesus saw this large crowd, he was moved. He had compassion on them. Now, Jesus cares about the small things. Um, 15 to 20,000 people, it's a lot of people, but in comparison to the big vision of Jesus in comparison to what he was there to do, it's, it's not really a big deal. But Jesus t- still took time out to teach them many things. Jesus said that they were uh, like sheep without a shepherd. That was the reason he took the time. They were lost, you know. And I'm sure we can all think of some people that t- 
to us, they appear lost. They appear confused or maybe, you know, some people that they can't stay out of trouble. You know, I got a couple friends of mine. They're always getting arrested. There's always some story, some drama, you know. You have people who they're always in some type of, one of their relationships is always messed up. You know what I'm saying? You get calls late at night, you know what I'm saying? So-and-so threw so-and-so out the house, stuff like that. You know, there's, you got people who just, they can't seem to, to get it together in your eyes. They can't seem to get it together. There's something going on back there. Someone should check that out. Anyway, <laughs> just ignore the blood-curling screams in the back. <laughs> it's fine. But if we were to break it down, you know, to, on a smaller scale, maybe not such big things of getting arrested all the time, but always being confused or always being sad, always being afraid, always being worried. You know, on some scale, we're all those lost sheep. We're all sheep needing a shepherd, needing someone to guide us. And Jesus decided he was going to change his plans and deal with these issues and teach them many things. You know, I don't, I don't know how long many things took. Um, if you read Matthew, sometimes people will ask Jesus a question and he'll preach for like three or four chapters. So many things could have took, taken hours. I don't know. But he took the time, at least. Jesus cares about these small emotional needs even. You know, he cares about when we're sad. He cares about when we had a stressed out day. You know, he, he cares about all those things. It's not something we always think about. You know, my small existence, you know what I'm saying, my, uh, my little day, my little problems. But Jesus will take time to deal with all those issues as well. Let's read on. Mark chapter 6, 35 through 37. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, the disciples, Jesus probably included, were exhausted. You know, a long, long day. At the beginning of the passage, they already said that they had a long day. And then Jesus made it longer by having compassion on this crowd and teaching them many things, however long that took. So they're exhausted. They're tired. They're coming up to Jesus. Like, Jesus, we love you. We love what you do. Everything you do is great. But we're tired. They're tired. We're hungry. Everybody's hungry. Send them away so we can get some, some rest. So we can go to that solitary place, which we wanted to go to in the first place. And that's a reasonable request, Right? It doesn't seem like it's like far and unbelief, you know. It doesn't seem like that, that that would be a big deal, you know. I think we've all had the time where uh, we've been exhausted, and maybe our supervisor's access to work a little longer. Am I cut off? I'm good. Uh, maybe our supervisor's access to work a little longer, and oh, thanks. Don't let me know. Don't listen, let me go on without without hearing me. Um, and maybe you had like a long day and like you get home and there's a mess and you have to clean up the mess. Maybe it's a physical mess or emotional mess or something like that. You had to clean it up. And then after squeezing out the energy, you didn't think that you had, something else comes along, you know? And then you just want to shove it off. And it seems reasonable.
Are we good? All right, now I can't walk around as much and intimidate you all, but uh, this will do. So I think we've all been in that place where we're rationalizing, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's reasonable rationalizing. You know, we, we come to God and say, well, I'm tired. Someone else will take care of it. We don't say it, but that's what we're thinking. And this is where the disciples are. They're, they have a reasonable request of Jesus, reasonable doubting of Jesus. So they come to him exhausted. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. And I would love to see, like, the disciples' facial expressions at this point. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of moments in the gospel where, you know, they have these conversations. It seems like they're not on the same page. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You feed them. You make it work. And again, you know, it's uh, putting ourselves in their, in their shoes. You know, that's... It, it, we just don't know. We're like, we're maybe be uh, thinking that Jesus isn't on the same wavelength with us. You know what I'm saying? That Jesus maybe is, is out there somewhere. Like, what is wrong with you? I, would, I mean, that's probably the facial expressions that I could picture them having toward Jesus. And they come back to him and he said, this would take, to feed these people would take more than a half a year of wages. And again, that's a reasonable response. It's like, Jesus, we, we don't really have a lot here. You know, it, it would take far too much to do this that you're asking us to do. It's reasonable. There's always going to be a handful of people who are reasonably doubting. Always. You think if, um, for example, if, if Pastor Joel were to give you a vision or direction for the church, there's times where we're already in our minds coming up with all the reasons why it won't work. All the reasons why God can't provide. Well, maybe not Pastor Joel because his visions are always perfect, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> think of somebody else. They give you some vision and like you're already coming up with all these reasons and why you should doubt, why none of this is going to work. And it makes sense. All your points are logical. You could argue it. You could debate it the entire time and you'd be, you'd be right. And yet you'd still be wrong. Let's read what happens next. Verse 38. How many lo loaves do you have? Jesus asks. Go and see. Now we got to stop here again. Because, again, I love some facial expressions. Jesus, again, you think about, we're not, we're not even halfway through Mark, and already we've had times where there's been miracles. Jesus has done so much, and still, Jesus is being questioned. And I know that we do the same thing, like, all the time. You know, we question Jesus. We think about our lives, everything that Jesus has done for us, and we still question him. We still have unbelief. And Jesus has got to you know the human side of Jesus at some point. Jesus has to go, are you serious? Are you seriously questioning me again? I just picture like his tone, just like, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. He had to at some point, our unbelief. But it's amazing that Jesus' patience for what, with us, his grace with us, despite our unbelief and constantly questioning God. We know his power. He constantly stays patient. We read on. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them all, all the people, to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. 
Taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then Jesus gave them to his disciples and set them before the people. He also divided two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was about 5,000. So Jesus decides he's going to feed them anyway. Despite all the debating, and I imagine there was a good bit of debating. You know, it's, it's probably more than what Mark was writing. There had to be more back and forth. Despite all the debating, Jesus still decides to feed them. You know, God knows our situations. He knows our lack, you know. He, he understands all that. And yet he still is going to come through anyway. There, there's something I, I, uh, I think about sometimes. Of, it's like facts versus truth versus God's truth, you know. The fact was everything the disciples were saying was true. You know, they, they had a lack of resources. Maybe you in your lives, you have, you have a lack of resource in some area, and God knows that, you know. I'm not coming down on logistics or anything. That's, that's important. You should know all that stuff, and God knows it too. But the truth is God is our provision. He's always our provision. That's the truth. It's throughout all of Scripture. You can ask tons of Christians. They've got their stories. That's the truth. We have to trust in the truth, not the fact, all the time. It could be where you have uh, one of you or someone you know may have uh, some type of sickness, infirmity or something like that. You know that medicine's done all it can do. Science has done all it can do. You've heard the reports. That's fact. Can't question that. The truth is, Jesus heals. He heals. It's throughout Scripture, again, it's God's character to heal. It's a truth sometimes we don't, we don't always believe especially in our, our, these times today, but it's the truth. It could be that you've reached your wit's end on some level of family or friends. Like, you're in a situation, you've said everything you can say, you've done everything you can do, you, you're frustrated, you don't know what else to do. And God knows all that. You know, he knows the emotion, emotional pain you're feeling. He knows all that. He knows you're at your wit's end. He knows you don't know what else to say or do. But the truth is, that God gives us wisdom. He gives us wisdom liberally. The truth is, in Galatians chapter 5, we have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We have love. We have joy and peace. We have all these things that can help us in all these situations, and that is the truth. There's fact, and then there's God's truth. Which one are we going to trust in? God cares. He cared enough about the people to not only uh, change his plan of going to the solitary place, but he also takes some time to spend, he spends more time teaching them many things and dealing with their emotional issues. But then he also works a miracle out. An amazing thing is that God didn't use human resources to feed the people. They gave everything that they had, and that wasn't enough. But God took it the rest of the way. Sometimes that's God's, all, he's, all he's asking is that we, we trust in him enough to give him what we have. Trust him that he'll take it the rest of the way. I want to talk about those extremes again. Um, the pray, pray, pray people versus the do, do, do people. Um, the pray, pray, pray people. All about the spirituality and the word. As we've seen in this scripture here, you know, God does care about those temporal needs. You know, without all these needs, we wouldn't be able to get to the word. You know what I'm saying? We wouldn't be able to focus on worship. 
Now, in some cultures, God may tell you to suck it up. But that's a whole other story. In our culture, in different cultures, different levels of comfort, God cares about these things. I want you to look around. Look around church right now. Look around. Everyone you're looking at, including yourself, has some type of need today. You've got some type of temporal need. You've got some type of emotional need, spiritual need. You've got those needs. And everyone that you're looking at, including yourself, has the ability to meet those needs. We are the body of Christ. We're supposed to be reaching out to one another. And a lot of times we make these excuses on why we can't meet these needs. And they're reasonable excuses, again, like the disciples. And a lot of times these excuses are rooted in selfishness, pride. You know, in selfishness, we we think, well, God, if we give all this, what's going to happen to us? You know, we can't help that person out there. We can't spend that time or that money because what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? And that sounds really reasonable. It's solid. Or it could be pride. You know, well, God got me through that. I've been through the same thing that they've been through. So why do they need help? Why should I help them? I got through it. Why can't, why can't they do it? We become arrogant, forgetting about God's grace and mercy in our lives, how we need someone else to help us in our situation. And we forget about that. God can do mighty things if we just give him what we have. We give him that love. We have faith. Now, I don't want to get you on like a guilt trip or anything, you know, you know, when people preach about you know, money or tithing sometimes, they say God loves a cheerful giver, right? You know, and that goes for any type of giving we need to give cheerfully. And I also don't want you to get in some type of savior complex, believing you can save everybody because you can't. That's not true. But when God leads us, leads us to give, we need to be listening. We need to be ready to be obedient. We need to be praying that we would have hearts that are, that are ready to give and give freely as we've been freely given to. There's, um, some of y'all know my, my sister. Um, she told me a story, something happened in her church, and there, there are a lot of people in the church, and the pastor of this church would have tons of people come down every now and then. Um, he would have a, like an, an altar call for people who need anything like they need gas for their car if they need um some food or a place to sleep or whatnot and um he would have people give give all the money and everything would be up front and then he would call anyone down who had certain needs and they would all come down and and take care of these 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 issues that that seem small in comparison to all the ability we have to give, you know, so people would get money for rent. People would get money for, um, like I said, gas. People would get food. And he doesn't do it. He didn't do it often. He doesn't do it in like a gimmicky type of way. But the reason he would do it every now and then was like he was saying, this is a family. Our church is a family. And how can we as a family, week after week, see we have needs of the people in our community and we don't meet these needs? How can we still say that we're a family, that we love one another? I want you to look around again. Look around. There's people here that you probably do not like. I'm just being honest. It's in every church. You probably don't like them. And that's just being human. You know, there's, there's certain, sometimes it's petty things. And we, for some reason, something petty, it may not even be true, but for whatever reason, we don't like them because of it. But that's not the point. 
Again, that's fact versus truth. The truth is we need to love one another deeply. The Bible calls us to. You know, I, I know personally, me, myself, there's people here that I, I haven't spent enough time talking to, and I need to get better at that as well. Again, you know, not a savior complex. We can't love everybody, and I get all that. But there's a lot more we could be doing if we're honest with ourselves. We need to love one another deeply. You know, I don't know what needs you have if I never talk to you, if I never get to know what's going on in your world, and I can't meet those needs. On a more uh, emotional level, it's not all about giving on a physical level. Uh, when I was, I'd say, like late, late teenager years, um, the first church I, I went to, uh, I had recently gotten saved, and I was, I was in a mess, a mess. Um, I was doing bad things, and bad things were being done to me, and uh, as a result, I, was, I got really, really depressed and uh, suicidal for a time. And um, my, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she, uh, had, uh, they had small groups like we have here. And uh, she told the spiritual leader of that small group everything that was going on with me. And she didn't know how depressed I was. She didn't know I was suicidal at the time. But she knew I was sad. You know, that was enough. And she, she told that to the spiritual leader. And this leader started praying for me and had their group pray for me. And uh, they, she started trying to befriend me, and I was real, like, standoffish at the time. Like, I don't, I don't know this woman. Why is she, like, saying hi to me and stuff in the morning? You know what I'm saying? I was saying hi. And uh, so I wasn't really accepting at first, but there was one night that I got really, I was really, really bad. And um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, I got a call from this woman. Um, and I think the only reason I picked up the phone was because I didn't recognize the number. I was curious who was calling me. And um, she called me and said that she'd been praying for me and that I was like, heavy on her heart. And uh, she wanted to give me the chance to share what was going on. And um, at the time, I was still kind of standoffish, but she kept pressing. She kept pressing, said, God's been having you on my heart. And um, eventually, I just broke down. I broke down. I shared everything that was going on. And that was, like, big for me because back then, I mean, like, I, I wasn't really, I had a bunch of walls built up, you know what I'm saying? But I, I broke down. I was just moved that she would take this time. This person who I didn't really know she took this time and spent hours with me, talking me off the ledge, so to speak. And it wasn't, it's not like I got off the phone and I was completely better, but it was definitely a beginning of a process of my recovery. And I don't know what would have happened had she not called me. Maybe I would have been fine, but maybe not. You know, what if she didn't listen to what God was saying? What if she had stopped praying for me just because I didn't want anything to do with her saying hi to me? You know what I'm saying? What if she had stopped? You know, we have these opportunities week by week, not just in this community, but in our jobs, our families. But a lot of times we get so caught up in all the comfort stuff, you know what I'm saying, that we forget about all these people around us who we could be helping. We could be meeting these needs. And we make reasonable excuses, you know, the good excuses. But whenever we make these excuses and we don't do what God wants us to do, someone suffers. And that's truth. To the work, work, work people, we have to understand that God is more than a humanitarian. 
I want to read uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. We, re- we read this uh, just a few months ago. Mark 1, 15 says, The time has come, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And this is Jesus' campaign for everything he does. Repent, turn from what you've been, how you've been thinking and what you've been doing, and believe the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the center of everything Jesus does, meeting needs and all. This is it. Think about when you first became a Christian. You know, you first started reading the word, and the word first started jumping up at you. You first started worshiping. You first started praying. You first started communicating your faith with one another. That experience, what, what all, all that was, that's that abundant life that Jesus is after. That's what we as Christians are supposed to be moving forward toward. Staying in that, in that mode. And the enemy is really good at getting us unfocused of all that and getting us to think that that's not important, that we need more than God's abundant life. He's good at it. He's good at deceiving. I always say the problem with de- deception is that it's deceiving. You know what I'm saying? You don't realize you've been deceived. And he's good at it. But we have to remember Jesus' main plan of the kingdom, that everything we do is rooted in God's word. Everything we do is rooted in the kingdom of God. Jesus had a balanced ministry. You know, we talked about these two different extremes. And again, I hope that we're somewhere in the middle. But Jesus cares about the temporal needs. He cares about the emotional needs. And he, more importantly, he cares about the spiritual needs. He wants to get us to that point of, of having a relationship with him. Continue to have that grow. I'm going to pray. That's all I got. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for, uh, Lord, that you do care for us. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for reaching out to us in that, in that dark world that we were in, Lord, and bringing us into your glorious light. We worship you for that, God. We don't want to take that for granted. We pray, Lord, that you continue to give us more and more enlightenment of your word and more and more enlightenment of, of giving to other one's needs. We pray, Lord, that we will be a church that loves one another deeply. Lord, God, tear down those excuses, Lord, that we've been having. Allow us to love one another. Give us boldness in our love, God, to reach out into uncomfortable situations, Lord, to reach out to uncomfortable situations outside this church into our communities, to our families. Lord, touch our lives, touch the relationships. Lord, that everyone... Lord God, that that meets us, Lord God, would meet you. Magnify your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.